prepare yourselves for a journey through history. Get equipped for adventure. Grab your power gloves and super scopes, for it's dangerous to go alone. This is the Legend of Retro. Welcome to the Legend of Retro. I am Craig WK, and with me is my good buddy, who I met through the game of Earthbound, uh, became friends with through the game of Earthbound, Xander. How's it going, Craig? Today, uh, it's going great, Xander. Uh, I am super excited that after years, three and a half years, three years three and, and a half four months, years, three and a quarter, three and a quarter. Good Lord. We're finally once again talking about Earthbound in the part two episode that we promised would come sometime soon. Right. Um, can I tell you a secret? What's the secret? I've got another top 100 list for us to cover. <laughs> uh, lay it on me. It's the glitches top 100 games. I refuse. I quit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fine. We could talk about Earthbound, I guess. <laughs> Woo! Uh, so for those of you who weren't listening three and a quarter years ago, we did to do a part one um, because we... Uh, we knew that a lot of people in the community had never played Earthbound before. It was one of those games and still is one of those games where it's like, oh, yeah, Earthbound. I know Earthbound. Never played it before. Probably should someday. Yep. Anyway, what what were we talking about? And so uh, we finally did a community playthrough a little while ago uh, where we mapped out, you know, where everybody could um, have checkpoints every day and for like three or four weeks. And a good chunk of people actually did play it. So um, now we don't feel bad about spoiling the crap out of it because we know the community who cares has already played it. That's true. Yeah. At this point, it's uh, uh, free reign for spoilers. So at this point, if you're interested in Earthbound, uh, I highly recommend if you've never played, you just turn this episode off, listen to our part one, which is spoiler free. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, yeah, uh, because uh, we're we're gonna spoil the crap out of this game and we probably won't but who knows <laughs> yeah we're gonna spoil the crap out of its part two. yeah I, I, we absolutely are i <laughs> uh, let's talk yeah, about I, the plot i mean we've already talked about the gameplay right we've pretty talked about depth. the gameplay what's that pretty in depth more so than i feel like we normally talk about gameplay <laughs> <laughs> like here's well, all the different mechanics for the battle and this like that was having gone back and listened to part one uh in preparation of this episode yeah we went pretty in depth with a lot of that stuff we really did i mean it was also a long episode it was like an hour and 20 minutes and we didn't play music back then yeah well, that's true that was uh that was when we were still doing the uh rpg protagonist battle we weren't even doing was, music brackets yet was that considered season two yes Man, been a bit. It's been a bit. It just a bit. <laughs> just been about three and a quarter years, <laughs> give or take. Yeah. I. Uh, yeah. So let's. I. Uh, I. Uh, well, first off, I. Uh, I. Uh, we talked on the previous episode of Earthbound about I. Uh, you know uh, how it's like you know one of our favorite games of all time. I. Uh, you know, we consider it, you know, one of the, 
art, you know, it, it's arguably one of the best games ever made. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, at this point, though, is there anything else that you'd like to add as just sort of basic earthbound stuff uh, that you want to fill the listeners in on before we start diving into like the story, the plot and other other subjects that we're interested to talk about? Not that we haven't already covered in the previous episode, I don't think. I mean, I'm sure there's probably some random personal anecdotes that might come up. Um, but I can't think of anything off the top of my head. Okay. Uh, yeah, the the only other thing I'd like to add is uh, I'm glad that not only did a bunch of people play Earthbound for the first time in our community playthrough, uh, but by and by, I don't think we got anything negative. Yeah. I I sort of expected there to be like, you know, some people that were like, oh, you know, I I guess it's cool, but like it wasn't for me. Uh, But yeah, by and by, most people, I think, really enjoyed it. And the ones that were a little bit more neutral still at least had good things to say about it. Mm -hmm. Like they were they were glad that they had experienced it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, You know, I know. like the glitch ended up really enjoying it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chops didn't even bother to play it because True. he's a jerk. Whatever. <laughs> uh, but I, uh, but yeah, so, so let's dive in to what we didn't want to talk about previously. Right. Uh, and I, I think it's safe to say for anyone who's experienced the game all the way through, I, uh, I think we can all agree that liar exaggerate is a child molester, right? Uh, he certainly is a, he's grooming some folks. I think, I don't know if he's ever succeeded, but I'd, uh, like, I'd like to think that Ness having psychic powers would give him that edge, but, uh, it's real uncomfortable that like you talk to him and he's like, Oh, Ness. Like, when you're alone, come back later. And it plays spooky music. And then you, like, go into town and, like, some what, some kid is like, I heard the treasure hunter, liar, exaggerate, has something important, like, made some important discovery. But he'll only tell you, Ness. And then you go there and he invites you into his basement. Uh-huh. This all sounds like that dug on the up out up. himself. This is all on the up and up so far. He dug out a basement on a mountaintop yeah. himself. You've never done that? Yes, but I've also never invited a child into that basement. How how recently did you dig out the basement, though? Three days ago. Yeah, so you, the opportunity hasn't come yet. And you're kind of a recluse, and we're in a pandemic, so you've not met any kids to be able to say, like, oh, hey, Billy, why don't you come check out my weird thing in the basement? <laughs> Give it time, Craig. Follow your I, dreams. You can Fair reach point. your goals. Liar exaggerates living proof. So I, <laughs> uh, so, so I think a lot of people already know a meteorite crashes on a mountain. You know, we had discussed it in the previous episode. Ness goes to find one of his neighbors who's stuck there. He drags along Pokey who's whiny and obnoxious and like hides behind you in combat. Buzz Buzz appears from the future. The future's devastation. Guy gets the Universal Cosmic Destroyer is going to do terrible things. But if you're fully exploring the game and you go to Liar Exaggerate's creepy basement, you find that he uncovered a golden statue that gives you a really creepy feeling. 
yeah, that kind of creepy feeling. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, and like originally, like when he talks to you outside, he's kind of nice. He like likes you, but as he gets closer to the statue and like, you know, it's shiny and stuff and he's in front of it, he boots Ness out. He's like, I want you to leave. Like, you know, you're getting greedy thoughts about my treasure. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's wonderful that Earthbound, you know, if, if you just go through the mandatory stuff throughout the game, you know, there's not a ton of story to in Earthbound, but by talking to everybody and exploring and talking to everybody multiple times and mm-hmm. stuff, uh, you get to really find out more and more about this world because the Mani Mani statue ends up playing a huge role in uh, the area of Tucson when you meet Paula and then uh, ends up playing a huge role in the city of Forsyth. Slash Moonside. Slash Moonside, of course. <laughs> yeah, there's uh, we kind of talked about in the last episode um, the house that you can buy and like how that's off the beaten uh-huh. path and like you really got to try to get that or at least remember to go back later in the game to purchase it and mm-hmm. just all the, the the world building that there is in the game. Uh, which is, I think, what gives the game the game a lot of its charm. Like when you're in Tucson and you're walking through the department store and someone's like, man, I can't wait to go see my boyfriend in the next town, but there's ghosts in the tunnel, so I can't go. And then in the game, it, it probably is at least an hour to two hours later. If you're if you're just playing straight through. Yeah. You rescue the town of Threed and that girl shows up and she's like, ah, oh, my boyfriend found somebody new. That's like a weird, you know, just a small little, you know, things like that that normally you wouldn't think of. And uh, I think we mentioned in the previous episode. No, I don't think we did. When you finish the game, you get to go back and talk to everybody. Yeah. Like you get to choose when the credits roll. It is, I think, the best ending to a video game I have ever experienced. Uh, Because of the fact that it's every single person that you get to talk to are all the friends you made along your journey Mm -hmm. and you know yeah if you fly through the game and don't talk to npcs or just rush through it ain't gonna mean that much to you you're gonna get to the end and you're gonna be like oh i have all this free time like what the heck do i do all right i'm uh, i'm gonna go drop off paula and you know uh finish this game up right uh but you know if you've talked to everybody and at the end of the game you want to know what they have to say like one last time you get to do that, and not everybody's dialogue changes in the ending, but a good chunk of people's dialogue alters. Like, if you go to talk to Liar Exaggerate at the end of the game, mm-hmm. who, you know, you've probably forgotten about by this point, and he's also up on the mountain of Onet. Like, who remembers to talk to Liar Exaggerate? But if you do, he's like, uh, just because you saved the world, don't go get in a big head or anything, Ness. Like, if I was your <laughs> age, I could have saved the world twice. And it's like, what the heck, man? And it's just <laughs> this wonderful piece of like ridiculous dialogue that unless you really followed the kind of the little side story of liar exaggerate, mm-hmm. you know, and you know, all the people that tie in with him, Everdread, who is not in the ending because he's dead. I <laughs> uh, spoiler, I don't even need to say spoiler alerts. I, <laughs> uh, you know, and uh car painter. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, Geldegard uh, Monotoli, you know, all these like weird side characters that are kind of bad guys. Or neutral at the best. Right. 
uh, people you know, who had gone crazy that you neutralized and yeah, exactly. I, uh, you know, you, you wouldn't get that stuff. And I, yeah, I don't know how many people at the end of the game thought I'm going to go back to happy, happy village and see what the heck car painter is up to. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you know, I don't know when I was, when I beat the game, I was like, I could talk to everybody. Yes. Let's right. do that. I don't know that I ever in one go went and talked to everybody because you can't save in the end, right? Nope, you yeah. cannot. Um, yeah, I think I, I I talked to a good chunk, but I don't think I ever tracked down everybody at the end. I think in my long play that's on the YouTube channel for Gamezilla Media, I probably didn't talk to everybody, but man, I tried my best mm-hmm. to just go everywhere I possibly could. Now, this is going to make me seem like a bad fan, but... Everdread died? Uh, well, I mean, <laughs> we don't know for sure that he died, but like, you know, he was injured heavily, like dying in the alley. And then he like is like, don't ever follow me. And then he's like, says his last haiku. <laughs> and then he, you never see him again in the game, except for in uh, Magican. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I guess we don't know that he died. I just sort of assumed he did. Yeah. I guess I just assumed he just wandered off because he's just like a weird dude. I mean, that could very well be the case. I guess uh, we do see Buzz Buzz's grave at the end of in Magikin, mm-hmm. but we uh, don't necessarily see Everdred's grave. So, yeah, I guess he is alive. It's it's possible. But we also see um, and I this is another. So, like we mentioned in the last episode, how people pronounce Onet differently. I've always said Magicent. So just know it that might be Madison. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't. Who knows? We're just going to go with what we say. But we see um, snowmen that Ness built in the past, but we don't see their gravestones. And we're pretty sure they're dead. So I, who knows? I'm 99 percent sure those snowmen are dead. Yeah, <laughs> I think we can say with with some certainty that those are definitely dead snowmen. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. I but I. So, yeah, the I, you know, Ness goes from Onette. He busts up the local gang of sharks. He, uh, you know, is the first video game character who showed me that the police are corrupt and you need to fight them. I, <laughs> uh, you know, Ness had Stetusen and it, you would think it's like, okay, things are weird right now. Like this little boy fought a gang, you know, went to, to, you know, get this mystical power spot and then fought the police. Mm -hmm. Like surely things have to get more normal from here, but they don't. Because Ness has to fight a cult to save Paula. Yep. Real weird. Um, as a, as a quick aside, um, have you, did you pick up the, uh, the earthbound travel guide from fan gamer? The Earthbound travel guy? Yeah. I No, I don't think so. I think I got the the Mother 3 strategy guide that they made, right. but I don't think I ever got the other thing. Yeah, so they made one for um for Earthbound as well. So uh-huh. it's, and it's a lot like the original thing. So they have you remember how in the the original strategy guide it would have newspapers and stuff like that? They, oh yeah, it was they great. Did, yeah, they did that again here and they've got like made up names and stuff like that and uh they have a um <laughs> they have an article called Inter- Entertainers Scoff at the at Onet's Lodging. And they, so so the, it's by uh Christopher Enyart. 
It's called the Onet Vaudeville Lodge, but today's show folk who once called it home while they traveled the Eagle and Circuit gave it a very different name. The Traveling Entertainer Shack is more than the EAFTA member gave the Onet Times during our investigation of Mayor B.H. Perkle's build, uh, Onet's movie business initiative, which has encountered significant opposition from unlikely political corners. It was still a dump before those kids tore it up, said one bowling pin juggler who requested anonymity. Nobody ever, or nobody told us overlooking the giant step meant there was a giant hole in the north wall. The lodge has been closed pending investigation in the last month's break-in, which Onet's officials blamed on members of the local street gang. That's like, great. <laughs> it's so cool that they have like such little things in there. Like when you go to Giant Step in the game, there's a uh, you see the tra- the traveling entertainers are outside. They're like, ah, here's the key. It's just a thing that you go through, and you don't if you don't take the time to talk to them, you don't realize like. Oh man, this place is this was place is a real dump. I thought we were gonna <laughs> I thought we were gonna get something nice, and then the fact that the fans like took that and like w- wrote an article as if it were really in uh, a newspaper is just really cool. So if you are a fan of of Earthbound and their humor, I would definitely recommend going to fangamer.com, which was started by Earthbound fans. Um, That's true. And just check out some of the books and stuff that they made because they are they are true love letters to these games, and it and it gives you a real insight to how involved the community is. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I still remember uh, getting the uh, like uh, the hat with like the Starman symbol Mm -hmm. on it that they used to sell like way back in the day when it was just Earthbound. Yeah. uh, Like fan stuff. Oh, man. Yeah. Great website. Yeah. Uh, So I'm sorry. I completely sidetracked us by talking about the (laughs) the Entertainer Shack. Once you mentioned the busting up a local street gang going and, and finding this mysterious spot fighting the corrupt police i but yeah so i wanted to uh you know use this as a a bit of a segue into talking about some of the kind of creepier elements of earthbound Mm -hmm. because the the game of earthbound is very colorful it's it's fun the you know has a sense of humor you know you don't necessarily associate it with horror off the top of your head uh, but I feel like there is a tremendous amount of horror that kind of almost bubbles beneath the surface a bit. Uh, so, until it familiar- flat out attacks you at the very end of the game. Yes, precisely. <laughs> uh, are you familiar with the genre of cosmic horror? Nope. Sander? Uh, so cosmic horror is a subgenre of horror. Uh, and to kind of give you just the Wikipedia rundown, uh, it emphasizes the horror of the unknowable and incomprehensible more than gore and other elements of shock. Emphasizes themes of cosmic dread, forbidden and dangerous knowledge, madness, and non-human influences on humanity, religion, and superstition, fate, and inevitability, uh, and the risks associated with dis- uh, scientific discoveries, uh, which are, you know, yada, yada, yada. Uh, and so uh, you've played... Uh, our buddy Tans has run like uh, uh, like Call of Cthulhu. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is like cosmic horror. It's just that like unknowable, mm-hmm. you know, madness that kind of lurks from beyond time and space, essentially. And I feel like Earthbound has a lot of horror elements that kind of tie into that cosmic horror. Because from the very moment, Buzz Buzz comes from, what is it, 10 years in the future? Something like that. And says all is devastation and you know that the the world is in ruin because of the universal cosmic destroyer Gygus. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, there's just so much throughout the game that is, you know, creepy. Aside from the fact that like animals and people become kind of like corrupted under the influence of Gygus, uh, you know, you have uh, uh, moments in the game like, you know, fighting the happy, happy or happy happiest, the, the yeah. cult. You know, they, they have such a, an appearance that evokes like the Ku Klux Klan. Right. You know, and that's on purpose, you know, the the they were sort of, you know, making this creepy twisted cult. And that's kind of the they needed Americana kind of some iconography, kind of, some kind of American cult where they wore one color and wanted everything to be one color <laughs> with their pointed hats that just happened to be off to the side a little bit. And the U.S. had a little puffball. Uh-huh. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I. Uh, but, uh, you know, when you think about it, you know, if you're just glossing through Earthbound, it's like, oh, yeah, that's so weird. But there is a lot of horror behind that. The You know, especially when, like, uh, uh, if you go to the hospital in Tucson, mm-hmm. one of the people in the hospital is like, I had an argument with my friend about happy happyism. And it's like, oh, your friend hurt you because of this creepy, <laughs> twisted religion. And, you know, you, uh, uh, you talk to like, uh, you go into one of the houses in uh, Tucson and uh, it's just a little boy. It's a two-story house. It's just a kid. And it's like, oh, okay, well, you know, this isn't that weird. There's kids in houses and, you know, throughout Earthbound. It's just, mm-hmm. this is the only NPC here. But like, when you talk to the kid, he's like, my mommy and daddy went away to, to Happy Happy Village to, to find like faith, essentially. And it's like, Oh, oh, they just they just left you alone, child. <laughs> they just left you in this house all alone because the call of Gygus essentially was too strong. Like, that's horrifying. Yeah, uh, but it's a fun it's so, a fun kids game with bright colors and happy music. So none of this is real. <laughs> well, <laughs> anyway, I. But yeah, there, there's just so much through uh, of that throughout the game, and uh, you know the uh, and of course it reaches its crescendo in the final confrontation, where you know Ness and his friends find out that Gygus is just like his plans of are are already just gone too far, you know, and so. Dr. Andonuts needs to send you to the past because otherwise Gygus is just too much. His forces are too powerful. You need to go like right when he landed, essentially. Mm -hmm. And so the, the good doctor has made a machine that travels in time, but the process destroys uh, organic material. And so he puts your minds, downloads your brains into robots and sends you into the past, despite the fact that you might not ever come back from this. Mm-hmm. And uh, you find yourself into the, the cave of the past, uh, which the music is really unsettling. Mm-hmm. And uh, you worm your way around through like just absurdly powerful enemies. Yeah. Like no matter what level you are, they are scary and strong. Yeah, I um, 
in our community playthrough, I was level 99 long before I made to the cave of the past. And it was still frightening going through that area. Yeah, it's ridiculous because you would think that like, you know, with almost all RPGs, no matter what level you are, you know, or not no matter what level you are, but, you know, when you reach a certain level, I should say, you're good. Mm -hmm. The the forces of the enemy can't threaten you anymore. But in Earthbound, that's not (laughs) the case. Certainly not for the final boss. Yeah, they um they really come out swinging that final area with the uh, Ghost of Starman, Final Starman. Like they will just hit you with stuff that you're like, hey, if, like if I remember my first time through, I think I was like mid level sixties with all my characters, and mm-hmm. I had like just learned Star Storm Omega. I was like, this is a really cool spell. It's, I'm glad that Puna. Oh my god, they're using it against me. Like, <laughs> yup. It's a it's a terrifying thing, and then and then some enemies in there have a magic shield that if you try to just go in there throwing your very powerful spells to kill them, they just launch them right back at you. So you it really is- have to be familiar with like what these enemies have in order to <laughs> to to get a, get past them. Otherwise, you're gonna have a bad time. Absolutely. I. Uh, and so you finally make your way through. And you end up in this, like, area, uh, the Devil's Machine, which looks very suspiciously of, like, human entrails mm-hmm. kind of, like, winding their way through. And you walk along this area and you find this, like, horrible machine that mutates and takes on the face of Ness. Mm-hmm. And then Pokey, who has been a thorn in your side through your whole adventure... As Xander points to uh, uh, a poster he has framed in his uh, office of Ness and his friends standing before the devil's machine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, you have Pokey who's like, hey, Ness, uh, I hate you. Uh, uh, Gygus is awesome. Let's go ahead and do this. And the battle begins. And no matter what you do to Gygus, like nothing seems to work. So you focus on Pokey and you're like, all right, let's just kick pokey's butt once right. and for all because i hate this guy yeah it's it's well it's a little bit tricky because you can you can fight gygus and pokey and you feels like you're making progress mm-hmm. because the background will change you know pokey will eventually say like hey i'm out of here like good luck fighting gygus and you know there are still like two or three screen transitions that go through when you're just dealing damage and then all of a sudden nothing seems to work yeah the the other scary thing is the fact that like pokey like essentially makes fun of Gygus. He's like, listen, he's like, Gygus used to be in control, but now his evil power has just obliterated his own body, and he's just this just pure madness, which once again ties into the Lovecraftian kind of, you know, uh, cosmic horror stuff. Mm -hmm. And so Pokey finally, after you do enough damage to him, is like, you know what? I'm going to turn it off. Have fun. And he turns <laughs> off the devil's machine and releases Gygus. And he's just this sort of kind of like disturbing mass that like looks like kind of like swirled up kind of like agonized faces. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people have said that the background has the design of like a fetus. Apparently that's not the case, Itoi has said. Yeah, I've always seen like a weird like a face that's like twisted and distorted. I I guess yeah. I can see where people might get the idea of like a sonogram, but I don't 
Like I, I don't see it as clearly as I see the face that's like twisted and distorted. Yeah. Uh, apparently, uh, Shigesato Itoi, uh, was very influenced by a scene from a movie called, uh, Oh, what is it? It's like the, the policeman and the dismembered beauty. Uh, something of that nature. I can, I can double check that, but I, I, Essentially, uh, Shigesato Itoi, when he was a kid, like went into this movie theater by accident, I guess, and mm-hmm. saw this horror scene out of like a murder mystery movie, essentially. And honestly, it's fairly tame if you like go back and watch it. Yeah. Uh, but it is certainly twisted. And for a child to walk in on that, I right. can absolutely imagine, yeah, that being very traumatizing. Uh, and so uh, he used that scene to kind of influence, uh, you know, uh, kind of this battle with Gygus because after you, or after Pokey releases Gygus and taunts you and is like, well, see you later. I uh, Gygus is just pure insanity. He just like calls out Ness's name. Yeah. And he's like, Ness, Ness. And then it's like, you can't grasp the like the true form of Gygus's attack, and then terrible things happen yeah. in your part. In parentheses. <laughs> yeah. I uh, you know, he drops like nasty status effects and stuff. And so the only option you have left at that point is to pray. And mm-hmm. Pokey does come out and he's like, you know, you know, there's nothing you could do. Why don't you call out to your loved ones? Like, you know, and he like harasses you and stuff. And so Paula begins to pray. And up to this point, the prayer option has just been like it did random stuff in battle, and it was more annoying typically than not. Yeah, it uh, sometimes it healed. It could also like n- n- petrify your team or or paralyze. That's uh, yeah, it's not a lot of fun doing that. I and I like never used it unless I was like desperate and hoping that I would get somebody to get revived. Uh huh. Yeah. It typically unless you need to pray you don't use the pray option and so yeah the uh you know paula and the others pray with all their hearts and you know you could just see people that you've become friends with throughout the game which is another wonderful way that earthbound kind of ties in the people you've met on your journey into the ending where you get to then wander around and talk to who whoever you want mm-hmm. i but I, uh, you know, you you end up, I, uh, you know, seeing all your loved ones, and it like ends up that you know Ness's mom and sister and their dog King have this like horrible, horrible thought that like something bad is happening to Ness, and you know they pray from the bottom of their hearts, and it isn't enough. Yeah, and so you pray again. And your prayers are swallowed by the darkness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it is so twisted. And, you know, like that is your darkest moment. And the game lets you know that this being beyond your imagining can't be beaten. Like Ness and his friends, this world cannot stop Gygus. Mm-hmm. But you continue to pray. And there is somebody who's praying with Ness and his friends to beat Gygus. 
And that's when you dawns on you as a player that you entered your name earlier in the game. Tony called you and he was like, hey, Jeff, I have a crush on you. We're easily the power couple of this game. Right. <laughs> However, what I also need to know is who's holding the controller. Yeah, right like, now. hey, you holding the controller. What's your name? He, he's like, it's for a school project. Let me know. <laughs> And, and then, don't they check in with you later in in uh, in the deep darkness at the Tenda Village? They check in one more so, time to yeah. make sure you're, that you entered your name in correctly. And you're like, yeah. oh, well, that's a weird thing, but okay. <laughs> and finally, you know, it says like Craig WK, yeah, Xander, whatever, whatever you entered as your real name, yeah. Uh, which when I was a kid, I entered my full actual name. And it blew my mind. And uh, you as the player pray and defeat Gygus and it obliterates him. Mm-hmm. Pokey comes back in and he's like, Ness, oh. now I, well, it's going to seem like I'm running away, but perhaps I'll just sneak away into another era and think about my next plan. It's a good bet that we'll meet each other again. All right. I'll be seeing you. So now which one of us do you think is the cool guy? Sorry, I pulled up the, the script because I wanted to read like the part where it's like the prayer was absorbed by the darkness and just how terrifying that is. And oh, so it just so happened creepy. to be right here. I pokey from the moment that he's annoying the police to the moment that he comes crying on your door that he needs your help to go get his brother to uh, uh, him kidnapping Paula with Mr. Carpainer. Uh, him uh, kidnapping Paula essentially with mm-hmm. uh, Geldegard Monatoli. The the fact that Pokey is perpetually a, a thorn in your side, and you know him and the forces of Gygus have worked against you all throughout this game. And Pokey like steals the helicopter and gets ahead of you. He steals the phase distorter, which allows him to can actually get to Gygus in the pa- uh, in the past. Mm-hmm. Don't forget just, he pooped in the desert, too. Yeah, and he pooped in Scarava. <laughs> he just pooped in the middle of a city. <laughs> what other villain could say that they just sat down, pooped in the middle of a city, and just left that for you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> he also like does graffiti throughout the game, yep. like in Summers. He talks about how you're a loser. Yep. I just pokey is so frustrating throughout this game. And the moment that the game ends and pokey gets away, you're upset. But there's another thing that pokey does to annoy you. Oh yeah. Once you, uh, once you go through the end of the game and you've talked to everybody and you talk to your mom, like, Oh, it's all done. You watch the credits, the, the, the cast of characters rolls by the actual credits go by and then then you hear it then you hear the knocking what an annoying knock yep and Easily the most annoying knock I've ever heard in my life. 
you get a letter from Pokey. Yeah, Picky, Picky comes, comes to the door. To your, yeah, Picky comes to your door, his brother, uh, late at night while you're sleeping, just as your adventure started. Mm-hmm. And he's like, uh, the a letter, letter up? from my brother, Pokey. It's addressed to Ness. There's no stamp, and it's not time for the mailman to come. Anyway, I brought it over. It says, come and get me, loser. Spankity, spankity, spankity. I wonder where God, he I is. Hate Pokey. <laughs> God, I hate Pokey so much. <laughs> yeah, then the, the, the worst thing is that you never get that closure. Like Ness presumably lives the rest of his life without ever. We never find out if he tracks him down or if Ness continually gets these letters every once in a while. <laughs> I uh yeah there it's a shame that Mother 3 wasn't necessarily a direct sequel mm-hmm. to Earthbound it like sort of is but but it doesn't star Ness you know right. Ness isn't in the game I uh, and it's a shame because they they set up like the relationship with Ness and Paula you know like throughout the game people talk about how you're like this cute little couple of kids mm-hmm. and stuff and like at the end of the game uh you take Paula home you it's just you and her traveling around and like at the end she's like uh i have something to say and then like she's like ah you know what maybe i'll wait until we see each other next and it's like cut son of a all right whatever (laughs) and so there's just so many little things that like when you were in foreside and it there's that sign on the door for the planning meeting for earthbound 2 yep it's like god why can't they just give us a sequel already well, let's not forget that Ness doesn't walk away from Paula's place totally empty-handed. Her dad will let him like stay on the couch now. That's right. No, <laughs> he can visit and sleep in the den. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's a good point. You know, he's made progress. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, the Earthbound just has so much fun stuff. I hate Pokey beyond imagining, and maybe sometime we'll be able to talk about just the depths of hatred I have for Pokey and his potential comeuppance. Mm-hmm. But, you know, maybe we won't, but I, uh, in any event, you know, I, I just love not only the, the fun, the humor of earthbound, but just how dark it can really be. Yeah. Once you really kind of dive into it and, and really kind of keep track of some of the weird stuff that you see that if if you're going through, you may not think much of like, like we mentioned, you know, there's the kid who's in, in Tucson all by himself. They're like, Oh, that's just a hint for me to go to the next area. But if you stop and think like, Oh no, no. Like, <laughs> like you meant, as you were saying, like the call of Gygus is so powerful that parents just abandon the kids. And as a parent of two kids, I can't imagine being something, something being so strong that I'm like, nah, you guys stay here. I got to go do this thing. Like there are times when I'm like, I just want to go to the store and just get away. <laughs> but like to straight up <laughs> abandon my kids. <laughs> that's uh, nah, like that's crazy. Yeah. And, and that's the, the kind of the cosmic horror element that I think Earthbound has that, you know, I, I think that other cosmic horror video games really just kind of slap you in the face with it. Like mm-hmm. Lovecraft video games in general are are very overt with with the cosmic horror themes. And I, I don't think that's necessarily a problem, but I think that them being so subtle in something like Earthbound 
is a, a really a credit to the the writing style of Shigesato Itoi because you know we have this really funny game where funny things happen. Mm-hmm. It's charming, it's bright, it's clever, but like you know there is this kind of underlying darkness that kind of swirls underneath the surface, you know, from the the cults uh, to children being abandoned to, uh, you know, even things like uh, just magicin, magican, whatever you want to call it mm-hmm. in general, you know, being this kind of touching but kind of creepy place where like everything that you've ever experienced in your mind is found there. And, you know, like the residents of Magica don't want you to go to the Sea of Eden because when you do that and you confront your darkness, that world will disappear, Mm -hmm. you know? And like, yeah, your memories will stay, of course, for Nest, but arguably there are memories that he wouldn't know of or wouldn't think of, like the snowman that Mm -hmm. he, you know, had as a kid. I, you know, like there's so many little things like that that are just like, you know, not only like, you know, is cosmic horror there, but there's this kind of existential dread yeah. to the game in events like that as well. And yeah, I, I think that uh, uh, Earthbound, you know, you know, like even in the first part episode we did on Earthbound, we per- pitched it as this kind of quirky, fun RPG. But, you know, there's so much underneath the surface that that sentence, that phrase that gets thrown around, quirky RPG. Mm-hmm just does not do it justice. Yeah. And I think on top of giving credit to the writing, we also have to like give credit to the translation. Like Marcus Lindblom for Marcus Lindblom to not only just take on the project by himself to, to, to take all of these, these Japanese or Eastern cultural things and translate them to something that we as, as a Western audience would appreciate but to also like be employed by Nintendo and, and say like, yeah, I'm still going to keep all this weird, creepy stuff in here. Like I could have easily changed this to something else, but nah. <laughs> yeah. He did a phenomenal job because as much as I'm a proponent for, for not changing, you know, games, because it's sort of, in my view, it's sort of a form of censorship in a way, mm-hmm. but you know, especially during that era, you had to make the game accessible to a Western audience. Yeah. And I think that he did it in such a phenomenal way uh, that captured the magic of Earthbound, but also made it so that we as a, a Western audience could take that game and enjoy it without being like, why is this statue of an octopus? I don't understand, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man, that's such a good... There's so much, so much to this game that just makes it so good. I, uh, I recently did on stream, uh, uh, the Earthbound randomizer, mm-hmm. the ancient cave randomizer. Are you familiar with this? No, I watched a uh, little bit, but I wasn't able to sit down and watch all of it. It takes every doorway and passage in Earthbound uh-huh. and interconnects them, randomizes all the enemies randomizes all the treasure randomizes uh i think you're like when you get your abilities mm-hmm. uh it randomizes the abilities themselves so like when i played uh paula didn't have prey who had prey and uh like i think jeff had 
uh, mirror. Hmm. So like, it's just all this weird stuff and you have to defeat uh, the eight uh, shining spot bosses, which lets you progress through the game uh, to get to the Gygus fight at the end. And uh, it was a ton of fun, but playing through it, all I wanted to do was just play through regular Earthbound again. Mm-hmm. So I could talk to all the NPCs because that's the other thing is like the NPC dialogue is randomized. Hmm. So like it didn't feel worthwhile. Right. You know, there was no story necessarily. You're just wandering around doing random events and fighting battles. But all it made me want to do is just play Earthbound again. So when are you streaming Earthbound again? Probably pretty soon. <laughs> Probably very soon. I. Uh, yeah, it, it is uh, uh, such an amazing game, and there's just so much to it that, honestly, I glossed over a lot of the story. Yeah. We just don't have the time. Yeah, we we had joked in the previous episode how there could easily be up to 93 parts of Earthbound. Like, there's so much to unpack with this game, and we just we literally don't have the time. <laughs> so No, we don't. But I, the good news is we are on Discord. <laughs> we did do a good community play. We are obviously always happy to talk about Earthbound. You can check out Craig's stream, uh, twitch.tv slash Craig WK, right? Uh, Craig underscore WK. Craig underscore WK. Uh, I'm on Twitch as well. Every, every once in a while, uh, twitch.tv slash Zando Calrissian. Um, and so jump in the chat if we're if we're streaming and talk to us about Earthbound, because chances are we're going to be happy to do so. <laughs> yes. I There's never a time I don't want to talk about Earthbound. Mm-hmm. Except well, for when I'm listening to Earthbound music. Yeah, I was going to say, what about when we want to talk about Earthbound's music? So uh, we'll take a quick break and listen to a word from one of our partners, and then we will dive into the music. Imagine being stuck in a room for days, far from your friends and family while feeling sick and scared. Now, imagine being in that same room, but having access to online gaming, virtual reality, 3D printing, Lego robotics, and the ability to create your own Twitch channel. At CS Mott Children's Hospital, we use video game technology to improve our patients' lives and help them reach their therapeutic goals. But we can't do it without your help. Every device and interaction provided to our patients is paid for by the thoughtful donations of gamers like you. If you want to help, then go to tiltify.com slash mottchildren. That's T-I-L-T-I-F-Y dot com slash M-O-T-T children. There, you can make a one-time donation, or if you're a content creator, learn how to stream for Mott. So if you want to help other gamers like you, please visit Tiltify.com slash MottChildren and play for the little victors. Now, we mentioned last time that the music in this game is composed by Kaichi Suzuki and Hirokazu Hip Tanaka. And what a team. <laughs> yeah, uh, they knocked it out of the park. Earthbound is... is- uh, arguably one of the best soundtracks uh, on the for any video game, let alone the Super Nintendo. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, uh, I still contend that it is the most varied, maybe any video game soundtrack, but definitely on the Super Nintendo. Yeah, but it's it's a very it's an impressive uh, lot of songs, um, and there are some that are that are atmospheric. It, it kind of touches more. Uh, when you're playing the game versus something that's easily listened to, for example, the uh, like you mentioned, the cave of the past is not necessarily something you want to just like. Drive along to, you know, <laughs> I don't typically jam out to it. Yeah, but it's it's still there's enough there that you're like, oh, I, I like the the progression of this. And, you know, mm-hmm. 
Um, like we, like I mentioned, that podcast had, had referred to some of it as filler, which I guess I understand what they're saying, but they're I don't wrong. think that's yeah, I don't think it's it's a correct. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? They're stupid and wrong. Yeah, that's it. Um, <laughs> so uh, we've got a handful of songs here we're going to play because this is a part two. We're not worried about keeping it at like three or four songs. Uh, so let's go ahead and we'll just start in. We're going to I think we're mostly sticking to just songs that have like a good melody. Some of the stuff that's memorable, stuff that gets stuck in our heads and stuff that we really mm-hmm. enjoy. Uh, so let's start with uh, we're going to go through the first four towns. We've got uh, Onet, Tucson, Threed and Foreside. So let's go ahead and, and listen to those. First up is, of course, Onet. theme i i i will i think always be filled with sort of a childlike wonder when i hear the theme of onet uh i just always think of of you and i wandering around the streets of like suburbia Mm -hmm. hanging out uh i think of you know when i was a kid riding my bike around the neighborhood playing in my backyard uh, I just I think of all those kind of moments with that theme. Uh, it just it, it kind of encapsulates my childhood. Yeah. It would be a it would be a solid song to to play as a movie flashes back of all your favorite childhood memories. Uh, yeah, that if uh, it, it, when I am about to die and my life flashes before my eyes, that theme will play when I get to my childhood. And if it doesn't do it automatically, you'll tell death to hang on a second while you turn on your re- your record. Death, give me a second. I got to put on my record <laughs> or someone has to call me because this is my ringtone. One or the other. There you go. So we'll move out of Onet and move right into Tucson. Uh, the song is also known as a boy meets girl. Thank you. 
This is just a happy sounding song. Right? It really is. It uh uh the 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 city of Tucson is, you know, a little larger. There's mm. more to it than Onet. There's a mall. Uh it feels more like uh uh you know, like a uh like a suburban city that I grew up in rather than Onet, which is a little bit more rustic, like more podunk. Yeah, Onet reminds me of like the city where my like grandparents lived. Uh, you Onet, know, out in Onstead, Michigan. <laughs> Onstead, that's right. Onet, yeah, Onstead. Onstead. It's almost the same word. <laughs> you know, it's this little tiny town. There ain't much to it. You know, that's what Onet reminds me of. Tucson, yeah, it's a little bit more like suburbia. And uh, uh, it the the open air markets, uh, the, the happy theme, it kind of gives me like an almost autumnal kind of feel. Like, yeah, like it's a song. That. Like it's a song that I would hear like, wandering around you know like buying donuts and cider or something like that mm-hmm. yeah it's gets it, despite the fact that there's a a kidnapping and an insane cult just out on the other side of the bridge it's a it's a weirdly calming in uh <laughs> uh innocent song or town theme yeah absolutely well, we are going. There are two different versions of of the three theme. Uh, one of which reminds me of the uh the town where Craig's grandparents were, <laughs> just because it's all spooky, and that's a whole <laughs> other story. Uh, but then there's the three free at last. After you get rid of the zombies and you uh defeat Master Belch and you you get rid of all that nonsense, there's a happier theme of three. And uh, this might be my favorite town theme in the game. the most about this theme i think is just how well it captures the emotion of threed mm-hmm. like you have it's sort of got a, kind of a melancholy sound to it but it's also a little bit hopeful and then it gets into that that part right before the loop starts over again where it's like a we like we've gone through some tough times but we're gonna persevere you know maybe i'm looking too deep into it maybe i just love the song too much i don't know but <laughs> no i i agree i think that uh uh it is a there is a certain melancholy to the song, 
you know, and considering that it's a city that was ravaged by zombies <laughs> not long before, understandable. Uh, it's also a city that is uh, kind of reminds me of Colma, California, where it's like mostly graveyards. <laughs> That's uh, true. Yeah, it, it is a, a, a wonderful theme. Uh, and whenever I think about which is my favorite between uh, Onet, Tucson, Threed, and Forside, I go back and forth and I always think like, oh yeah, but three is real good. Like it's a, it's a sleeper mm-hmm. because you don't hear it that much in the game. Cause most of the time you're there, it's the creepy version, but uh, yeah, it is a great one. Yeah. So moving on to the last of the, uh, the number numbered cities, we have Forside, the metropolis of Forside. to three i feel like this song has an excellent uh kind of capturing again the emotion of like walking into the big city for the first time uh we mentioned our buddy tans before he uh we went to his wedding which was a destination wedding in new york city we got married Uh in in central park and uh as i was driving amongst all the tall buildings this song definitely creeped into my head i was like wow guys i'm in in the big city now (laughs) oh absolutely i Foreside, when I was in the city of New York, it absolutely would just pop in my head all the time. Like it does. It captures sort of that big city vibe. And I don't really know how the composers pulled that off, but they did. Like it, it's, mm-hmm. it's, they did such an amazing job uh, with all the music of the game. But I think those four primary town themes are some of the best in Earthbound. Yeah. Yeah. They definitely stand out the most. I mean, there's, there's, uh, there's like we said there's a ton of songs in this game a lot of them a lot of them are really really good but as far as like you hear them and you can kind of close your eyes and picture where you are i think those four are are the strongest yeah um i will i will give a a, a special nod to summers as well 
That's, oh yeah, I love summers. Yeah, I that's when, a, uh, that's a song I can't help but think of like relax. Like you can you can hear the beach in that song. Maybe maybe we should just play the that song as well. <laughs> yeah, you know what we have to uh, because uh, uh, to be honest with you, when I uh, was uh, I recently uh, went to Key West, Florida for a trip. Oh yeah, and the playlist that I had on my phone was nothing but water themes from video games and mm-hmm. i had like two or three versions of summers that would pop up and it is the perfect beach song so subtle just like constant white noise hum of the of the ocean in the background and the very very faint birds calling that's a brilliant touch that unless you're really paying attention to it listening to it with headphones is gonna go overlooked but like when you're playing on your on your 3ds or your super nintendo or what have you like you don't always hear that but it's it's so cool just to hear the the care that they put into it um yeah absolutely we're not this isn't something we normally do um in the sense that i'm about to play the same song again but uh, i did want to to point out there was in japan they released mother one and two as a combination pack another version we didn't get because nintendo hates america um yes they do but their official soundtrack was all arranged versions and they have a version of of the summer's theme that that's just you need to hear it
so it's such a good cover of that song. It is amazing. <laughs> just the I love that the, so much. The cheesy like organ is just it's so it's so well placed. <laughs> yeah, that is phenomenal. Yeah. Well, we've come this far, Craig. Mm-hmm. That's a theme that plays uh, in Saturn Valley and Tend to Village when you are offered coffee and tea. Yeah, it's this wonderful little event when the game sort of takes a step back and uh, essentially Shigesato Itoi himself talks to you and is like, you know, like, hey, listen, like things have been tough, but they're going to get more tough. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you but you've done a great job you're going to be meeting another friend here soon. Like, you know, you know, he just it like it's sort of this weird meta moment. And listen to the music. I always think of uh, friend, friends in general. Uh, but uh, 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 typically I my thoughts go to my buddy Andy, who I've grown up with. Uh, this is one of his favorite themes as well. And I talked in the previous episode how he like got into the music before the game itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he said before that this is a theme that makes him think of our friendship. And it's interesting that that's, you know, where our thoughts go with this song. Mm-hmm. There's a, I've, again, I've got the script pulled up and I just wanted to read a quick excerpt, like imagining Itoi is talking to you in the moment. It says the journey from this point will be long. It'll be more difficult than anything you've undergone at this point. Yet I know you'll be all right. When good battles evil, which side do you believe wins? Do you have faith that good is triumphant? One thing you must never lose is courage. If you believe in the goal you are striving for, you will be courageous. There are many difficult times ahead. Uh, excuse me, difficult times ahead. But you must keep your sense of humor, work through the tough situations, and enjoy yourself. And I think that's just like good, <laughs> a good message to hear in general. And that's something, yeah. the line about you must keep your sense of humor is something that always resonated with me. And I feel like I have tried to do that so yeah oh man this game (laughs) right (laughs) now i don't drink coffee or tea but i imagine this song constantly plays as you do yeah i drink tea and yeah it does might uh, might make me change my mind on it never mind hot beverages don't make any sense let's listen to the lost underworld what about hot cocoa 
This may be the song that gets stuck in my head the most that I just find myself idly whistling along to. Like if I'm just on a walk or something or just doing nothing relaxing. I just for whatever reason that that simple whistling tune is always uh, always in my head. It is a giant cavernous zone filled with dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. Is there anything f-ing cooler than <laughs> dinosaurs? Uh Dinosaurs that also eat pizza. Touche. There you go. Well, uh, we are almost at the hour and 15 minute mark of this episode. So uh, we had a couple more songs that we were going to go through. I think for the sake of getting this episode done and out to you and telling us to finally shut up about Earthbound and the Mother series, we should probably just cut straight to the, the last song that we are going to play, which, of course, because I'm doing an episode with Craig, we have to listen to the final boss fight.
while back, Glitch and I did an episode on uh, the original Ninja Turtles game. And I said, after listening to the main opening theme song for the millionth time, that that song's probably the reason why I got into heavy metal. And I think I was wrong. Yeah, this is, I think, the song <laughs> that got me into metal. Like. The double bass, though, <laughs> right? The double bass drum part is so good. I hate Pokey so much, but Pokey means business, Sander, and his theme is amazing. Yeah. I uh, I have yet to find and I and it's it blows my mind that I haven't found like a a cover of this song that just truly encapsulates how well this song is composed. I I think you're right. I don't know that I found a good enough cover. I I would shout out to our listeners that if you think that you have the the perfect cover of Pokey Means Business, uh find us on Discord. Uh, jump into our streams that we mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. whatever it takes, and let us know what uh, uh, remixer or artist you think does the job. Because I don't know that I found anyone that can do do it the way that I feel it deserves to be done. Yeah, like I've I've seen some where it's like a live band, which is what you need for the mm-hmm. the second half of the song, but the first like fifty five seconds needs to be chip tune. And then for some reason that just they it doesn't translate one way or the but yeah, like I've not found that the way that encapsulates it quite as well as this version from the Super Nintendo twenty almost my god, almost thirty years ago. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> yeah, we are in we're in summer of twenty twenty one. We've got four years before this game is thirty years old. We have some time. <laughs> this game is almost as old as I was when I got married. That's crazy. <laughs> Ouch. Yeah. Mm. Oh, man. We're old. Just a bit. Yeah. This game is so good. <laughs> yeah. I, I, it, there's so much more that I'd love to talk about. Like, we didn't talk about how uh, Satoru Iwata who went on to be the president of Nintendo, essentially saved yeah. Earthbound. We didn't talk about how uh, in uh, Magicant, uh, Ness is naked in the Japanese version, mm-hmm. or that uh, uh, Marcus Lindblom like, uh, put it in homage to his daughter into the game. Like, There's just so much stuff to Earthbound. Yeah. Like, I feel like I could start a podcast on Earthbound, just Earthbound, go through like every episode takes you a little further along in the game. And I think that it would still, I it'd be like 90 something episodes. Yep. There's so much to uncover and it means so much to so many people. Uh, the, the legends of localization book of uh, just like uh, Clyde Mandolin talking about the translation and every, cause he like has done a deep dive on the translation since he does that himself. And that book is just an incredible read. And all it's going to do is make you want to play Earthbound again. Every single time you pick it up, you'll read a little bit and like, oh, man, that's right. This was a good part. I need to play Earthbound again. (laughs) I'm thinking about it right now. Oh, man, I am, too. But I think I'm going to read the books a little bit more and then dive in. We'll see, because I have this fancy new book and I got to I got to read through it some more. Find some more goofy. uh, Newspaper articles, you know. You could always uh, uh, get a little further in the game each time and then read a little more and then, you know, just sort of go back and forth. That's true. Man, we didn't we didn't 
like play a lot of battle themes like there's so much music we could still talk about (laughs) yeah the music alone there's a ton to talk about Uh, you know aside from the fact that there's just a ton to talk about in the game itself it's like so with with a handful of sound effects there are 206 tracks in the soundtrack yeah what was it i i i determined that it was like what a third of yeah. the game's memory like a fourth or a third of the game's memory is devoted just to sound mm-hmm. the music and the sound effects yeah that's it's absurd it's amazing but it's absurd yeah well uh we are past the fan bracket we are uh we don't have any more brackets to go through we don't have a retro relapse nope. this is a part two episode yeah. So uh I think it's uh time to start wrapping up, Craig. Xander, I wish that we could talk about how you know like the, the mother series further in depth. But yeah, I I think this is it. I think this is uh the end of us talking about the mother series. Yeah. Until next week, when we talk about Mother 3. I'm not joking. We're doing it. We're going to stop recording this, and we're going to talk about Mother 3. We didn't even plan for this. This is just going to happen. Nope, we're just doing it. I don't care what time it is. I should go to sleep. Nope, we're going to talk about Mother 3. No, uh, I have to pick up friends from the airport, but you know what? (laughs) They can wait. No no teaser for next week, because we're telling you now. It's Mother 3. So, it is absolutely going to be Mother 3. We appreciate you listening. We hope you've enjoyed our, our gushing about this wonderful game. And we will catch you all next time when we, when talk, we talk about, about Mother, Mother 3. 3.